It was with great joy that I first met with Bishop Latimer of Love Alive, the evangelical LGBTQ-centered congregation which worships here at All Souls each Sunday afternoon. And that time he brought with him Jennifer Bailey, who was sitting with Dee Bailey this morning of Watchful Eye. And the conversation was one of those energizing, spirited ones, the kind where opportunities unfold before you. The connections we hope to form will be a blessing to us, and hopefully a blessing to all who may need us in the days to come. The center of the work, as Bishop Latimer and Ms. Bailey painted so effectively, is that taking care of ourselves as bodies is a critical spiritual practice. It is to care for a vessel of God's love. It is to take the time to be aware of our bodies and to bless ourselves and each other with knowledge, with compassion and care. And there is no better way to begin the last month of the year, the season in which so many religious holy days uh, are encountered with this kind of attention and awareness. The Reverend Meg Barnhouse reminds us, this is the season when dark is growing strong, reaching its peak at the winter solstice on December 21st. On December 22nd, the Earth begins tilting the northern hemisphere gradually back toward our sun. The light begins to grow stronger, and every culture in the northern hemisphere celebrates the rebirth of the light. Hindus have Diwali, Jews have Hanukkah, pagans have Yule, Christians have Christmas. In times past, we humans were much more in tune with the rhythms of darkness and light. But especially in a place like the city that never sleeps, we can light our way at will. Even so, we are affected by the shorter and colder days, and we still measure by calendar the turning of the year. The need for rituals and feast days is a profoundly human thing, and yet we underestimate it gravely in our modern lives. It often seeps out this time of year, and we, the meaning makers, should take seriously the possibilities of these holy days. Now, of course, how we go about it matters. The average amount of energy used by one American is equivalent to that used by three Germans, six Mexicans, 14 Chinese, 38 Indians, or 168 Bangladeshi. It would require the resources of four Earths to support every human being in an American lifestyle, and we know that we're on an unsustainable course. But despite the commercials and the comics, crass consumption is not, of course, what makes a holiday special. Let me tell you a story. Now, it's a story about a particular family. Their name is, are the Dorches. But you probably know somebody like the Dorches yourself. And it might not even be what we call a quote-unquote nuclear family. The story that I'm about to tell actually reminds me very much of a gay couple that I know in Colorado. And it reminds me of a group of friends that I had in California when we were house sharing. But this story is about the Dorches. They're a family of four. They have two teenagers. 
The parents are John and Melinda. Their daughter, Jenna, is 14. Their son, Grant, is 16. John and Melinda both have full-time jobs, and that can make things challenging. They get tired, and they have to negotiate those tasks like who's going to get off work, to do what, especially because the kids, they're doing after-school things like soccer and piano. But the Dorches are what you might call gifted at loving. They have a lot of family friends and quite a number of rituals that they keep such as a yearly inner tubing day with old friends, a week-long summer camping trip, things like this. The Dorches are lucky. They have enough money to get by. But there are so many things that they do that don't require money. For instance, they have one night a week where no one plans anything and they don't answer their phones, and they cook together, and they talk, and they play games, and sometimes they sing. And everyone has a birthday month where for one whole month, the other family members take special effort to let the birthday person know how much they are loved and how much they're valued. And then there are the winter holidays. Now the Dorches are Christian. In the winter, they celebrate Christmas. Every year, they have a potluck dinner with their friends because Melinda remembers Christmases when she was a child and those Christmases were a little lean. So every year, they adopt a family at Christmas, and together the whole family plans and chooses gifts and the food that they're going to give. They have a tree decorating ritual. Every family member can invite one guest to help decorate the tree, and they always get the tree the second week of December. Every year, one family member is designated to be responsible to make a new ornament for the tree. And when the tree goes up inside, they also make a popcorn and cranberry string to decorate an outside tree for birds and squirrels, along with a few peanut butter and bird seed treats. The squirrels in different places, you know, they, they're less invasive sometimes. But these traditions, they enter into us when we enter into them. They, they help us create sacred space, and they have the power to hold us they can become literally a way of life, a way of being alive in the world. And that is why the winter holidays are such a potential-filled moment in our lives. Now, all beings seem to resonate with the cycle that's so apparent in the winter, a movement toward indwelling, a quietness, the death of a year. But we also reach out for something else, a hope that from this dark time, something is being born. Think of it. Our major worship-oriented religious traditions all have a winter holiday, a time when the darkness of the year seeps into us and lets us rest. There's Hanukkah, the Jewish celebration of temple, and the miracle of the light, when God provided light for eight days from oil only enough for one. It's a celebration of renewal and light. There's Christmas, when Christians celebrate the birth of a child who changed the world, a child who would one day tell us, you are the light of the world, a child whose relationship with God and through God would be an example for over 2,000 years. The stories around this particular child's birth 
would come to be illustrated by the presence of a star giving unusual light to all the world, light shining within the darkness. And there is the ritual of lighting Kwanzaa candles, each of which stands for a principle by which the community chooses to live, such as unity, self-determination, collective work, and responsibility. And then, once again, there the tradition is to invoke fire and light to express that hope and tradition. The celebration of solstice and Yule, which is among our oldest of winter celebrations, that too is a ritual to invoke the rebirth of the sun. We light our Yule fires, and the tradition is about that darkness and light coexisting, being in one another, rising from each other. Without dark, there is no light. Without light, darkness consumes. And so the darkness and light are symbolic, they're mythic, and they're literal. And at no other time of the year are we as aware of the power of darkness and light than at this time. And at no other time of the year do we have as many rituals and traditions and celebrations. It is a rich, potential-filled time. And it's worthwhile to consider that in our interactions with one another, because there's a lot of power in this time of the year. Just as our awareness of joy and hope and fellowship is burning more brightly, equally strong is the power of pain and sadness for some of us for whom this season does not evoke joy. Suicide and depression go up in this season. The loss of loved ones is even more apparent when a holiday approaches. Loneliness and alienation can increase when one is surrounded by messages which assume that we're all spending this time with warm relationships of kin and connection. Many people are alone right now, or they feel alone. And then to top it off, there's this pervasive message that, and this expectation that we're going to be happy with an exclamation point all during this holiday time. And there's even less room than usual for expressing feelings of sadness or hopelessness this time of year when the songs on the radio say, may your days be merry and bright and let nothing you dismay. One of the greatest gifts we can give in this holiday season is to offer the comfort of simple acceptance. This is a season of light and dark. It is good to celebrate our hopes and our joys, our longing for the returning of the warmth, to light the fires of our best intentions. But it's also good to allow ourselves the awareness that the reason that we celebrate and the reason that we need the warmth of these traditions is because we also share the human experience of sadness, fear, the power of nature, and the brokenness of some of our connections. I hope that in the coming days you will seriously consider what you have ritualized, what celebrations and connections bring you joy, if any do, and how you choose to spend this last month of the year. Sometimes we need to set aside old habits, old rituals that no longer serve us. What may bring the most meaning to our lives now might be different than what once did. 
being able to embrace change can be difficult but freeing. So who will you embrace with your time, attention, and love this season? Will you transform these holidays into holy days? Don't let this opportunity pass by. Slow down. Consider moments. Love people. Give kindness. To close, I'd like to offer the gift of this poem by Galway Cannell. It's called That Silent Evening. I will go back to that silent evening when we lay together and talked in low, silent voices while outside slow lumps of soft snow fell, hushing as they got near the ground, with a fire in the room in which centuries of tree went up in continuous ghost-giving up without a crackle into morning light. Not until what hastens went slower did we sleep, When we got home, we turned and looked back at our tracks twining out of the woods where the branches we brushed against let fall puffs of sparkling snow quickly in silence like stolen kisses and where the scritch, scritch, scritch among the trees which is the sound that dies inside the sparks from the wedge when the sledge hits it off center telling everything inside it is fire jumped to a black branch, puffed up, but without arms, and so to our eyes lonesome. And yet also, how could we know this? Happy in the shape of a chickadee, lying still in snow, not iron-willed like railroad tracks, willing not to meet until heaven, but here and there, making slubby kissing stops in the field, Our tracks wobble across the snow, their long scratch. Everything that happens here is really little more, if even that, than a scratch, too. Words in our mouths are almost ready, already, to bandage the one whom the scritch, 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 meaning if how we might lose each other scratches, scratches, scratches from this moment to that. Then... I will go back to that silent evening when the past just managed to overlap the future, if only by a trace, and the light doubles and shines through the dark, the sparkling that heavens the earth. May you find what you need in these holy days. Amen.